Welcome to Harry Potter and the Anxious Millennials, a show where we delve week by week into each chapter of the Harry Potter series. Welcome back, goblins, ghouls, gays, and girls, gaslight gatekeep girl boss. <laughs> hey, girl boss. Hey, girl boss. Um, our listeners are now called girl bosses. Hello. <laughs> Um, Girl boss. We are back. We are back yet, a- yet, yet again for another film in the franchise. Um, Allie is not able to join us today because she did not watch the film, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she won't be joining us. But we, Ari, and I both watched it, and we are sitting on polar opposite ends of the appreciation. <laughs> You know what? You're making it like that. Literally, as we were watching, I was like, there are some things I like about this. I have some positive things. Ari was cursing the film the entire time we watched (laughs) it. It was truly a wild experience. Um, so um I really don't have much to say. I I didn't do as much research as I did for the pat like for Chamber of Secrets for sure. Um, I just know that the like Budget was like three forty, and it made like seven eighty two. Okay, so I guess it's the I mean, only any film Harry in- Potter film. Any Harry Potter film that was made, they like totally earned back the amount they spent and the hundreds of thousands above. Like there was, has there ever been a Harry Potter movie that didn't do? well <laughs> so th- this is the this is the lowest performing one this is the only one that didn't break ah, the 100 okay. million dollar mark okay um, um i don't Good know why know. that would be um because it's not i don't know is this the one oh this was the first one i think they changed to summer because it was yeah, like november we november and, and then yes, they skipped we, a year yep it was literally the last day of school that we went to see it. Yes. Like yeah. the last day of school, we all got dressed up and went to the premiere. Right. So before we head into it, we should talk about the big casting stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's do it. So Richard Harris, unfortunately, passed away from cancer. Devastating. Um, very sad. I read that he... um even as he was sick in the hospital, asked them to not recast. Um, but that was, I think, while he was, he thought he would like recover. Oh, um, that's so sad. Were they trying to film it, like film what they could without him at first, and then they just realized it wasn't? I I don't know if they had started filming yet because obviously they had to. They changed directors. Chris Columbus um, right. decided not to do this film. Yeah. Um, they originally asked Guillermo del Toro if he would like to direct this film, but he had signed on to direct Hellboy. So he declined. So they approached, um, I guess, Alfonso and then Guillermo and Alfonso are friends. And so Guillermo was like, you have to do it. And Alfonso had never read or seen any of the movies. He'd never read the books or seen the movies. Um, but Guillermo was like, he was like, you will, you you will definitely not, you will, you will really enjoy it. Um, later in his career, Alfonso said this was his favorite like experience he's ever had was making this film. It was the best two on years set, of his on life. On a set. Oh, wow. Yeah, Which is yeah cool. I bet it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so Richard Harris passed away. They originally, I guess, wanted Ian McKellen. Of course they did, which everyone talked about, I think, at the time. Ian McKellen declined. um, A, because he was like, I've already, I just did this. Like, I'm not doing this again. Right. And I guess (laughs) earlier in his career, Richard Harris said that Ian McKellen was a bad actor. So he was like, I also decided that it would be in poor taste. (laughs) So there's that. Well, Richard Harris... That is not the tea, honey. <laughs> that no. is just not true. Um, but they ended up going with Michael Gambon. I don't know of how many people they looked at, obviously, but they went with Michael Gambon, right. who to this day will talk about how he's never read any of the books, refuses to read any of the books. You don't because, say. I'm noticing a pattern here. His, yeah. His... He said that when he acts, he sees all characters as just extensions of himself so he didn't want to get too get too outside influenced by like how deep the books may go if there's any description of that well we can get into that i have some thoughts on that but (laughs) well well, let's wait (laughs) let's wait Um, till we get there we add um remus lupin and unfortunately i literally don't know what his name is i just looked at it uh, um, oh my god! I always feel bad that I forget his name. Uh, something Thulis. Apollo from Wonder Woman. If anybody, Math- or no, Aries. Is it Matthew? Was it Ar- yeah, Aries. Matthew Thulis. Yes, yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, and he, I guess, had never read the books either. <laughs> but he did. Okay, he- so which which one of them, or which ones, did end up reading the books after they were cast, though? That I don't know. Did I would assume of most of them probably read it afterward. Okay. But I don't think any of them had read it ahead of time. Um, because Gary Oldman also hadn't read it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, in, in their defense, it was like a children's book at the time. So I don't think too many adults would have gotten into it yeah. at that point had they not had children that they were actively reading books to or like spending a lot of time with. I don't know how many of them are parents. Sure. Um but he apparently was told that he should do it from the guy who played Quirrell. He, they're oh, friends. Okay. And so he was like, you should definitely do it. It's a lot of fun. Which is like, that's funny. This is when you know that like the British entertainment industry is very small. Because oh, they're yeah, all yeah. just like friends with each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, and it. then the last, I think, big casting is obviously Emma Thompson. Right. I would say she was not the first choice. The first choice was Tilda Swinton, um, which makes sense. Okay. That's like, yeah, that's like I, absolutely on the nose. Sure. I like that she, they went with Emma Thompson though. In the end, I like that it worked out that Emma yeah. Thompson was her. Um, Tilda said she turned it down because she had a really bad experience in her British schooling so she doesn't like anything that romanticizes the like loneliness she felt at the time Mm -hmm. so that's why she turned it down which is also a very like Tilda Swinton answer in my opinion (laughs) yeah yeah um wasn't she she was just the the witch in the lion witch in the wardrobe too around this time yeah Uh uh-huh which those are great films or the first one is a great movie the first one's great second one is really good too actually is the second one Prince Caspian Yes. 
That's the only one I can really remember because Ben Barnes was in it and I had a huge crush on him when that film came out. <laughs> and that's the only reason I remember it. I just remember that in the first one, he eats Turkish delight. And I literally yes, was like, looked, what is that? It looked I couldn't so understand. good. It looked so it's good. It's like powdered sugar jellied candy. Pretty kind of? much. Like it's a sweet. It, okay. It looked so yummy when he bit into it. I remember as a kid. Is it caramel? Like, what? No, it's like jello. It's like gelatin. No, it's like jello. Why is he? The one I had, you know, you know, I, I have had Turkish delight, but the only time I've ever had it was at Epcot. And so it was like chocolate oh. covered jelly. And it was good. Oh, I didn't think sure. it was bad at all. But sure. I know some people are like, <laughs> some people do not like it. Yeah. Like baklava. I think there's some people. Well, if you have any kind of nut allergy, baklava is probably not for you. But I love baklava. What I don't know what baklava is actually. It's like a it's like a very thin pastry, like multi layered, and then they do like um, typically it's like an almond, crushed almonds in between, or like pistachios. Okay, it's so good. Like marzipan, it's so buttery. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Marzipan made similar almonds. It's almond, yeah. Um, so those are the big casting changes. Um, definitely a through line in that nobody. Oh, because Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson, it didn't say that she didn't know or hadn't read it, but she said she wanted to do it to impress her four-year-old daughter. That's why she chose <laughs> to do it. Oh, I love Emma Thompson. She's <laughs> very sweet. Emma Thompson reminds me of my mom often. She's such a mama bear vibe. Not in this film, yeah. but like Emma Thompson herself. I love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy is I was also looking at apparently they almost recast Dudley. <gasps> oh, because my. because he had gotten too thin or like oh, he had lost yeah. too much he weight. Yeah. Is so they like put him in a fat it? suit. Is that why she changed it in the books? That he like got JK Rowling eventually she has Dudley like get like buff essentially. Oh fit. Is that why oh, she yeah. Because he has he like joins a gang basically. <laughs> and he joins the wrestling team later. Oh really? So it's oh, like, so yeah. So he's like, that's why they call him Big D. Because he's like oh. an athlete. Oh, and then um there's a, a bunch of scenes where like a Goyle is not present, and that's because he injured himself yep. um while shooting. So they cast. They had this other Slytherin who, in the script, is named Pike. Yeah, <laughs> I can so picture old, him already. Good old scrawny good old little Pike. Pike. Good old Pike. So, what a name I think choice! That's it. I think that's all the big stuff. And then anything I remember as we traverse through, I will bring up. Great. I'm going to start off right now and say that I love this film. I think this is the <laughs> best film in the franchise. I have no problems with this film, shockingly. You think this is the best film in the entire franchise? Really? I would have to watch... Deathly Hallows again? Yeah, Deathly Hallows again. Because the last one I've only seen one time, and that was in the theater, because I cried so much that I was like, I can't do this to I myself. know. No, me too. I like cried the whole time. But I've watched both of those movies a lot since then. Um, part one and part two. But I think a reason I respond to this movie so much is because it's very aware of how weird it is and how different it is. Yeah, um, that's which true. I think they I, they I like really... went bold. Go yeah. bold or go home, and they went. They went bold. 
I mean, there was like a lot of controversy when they chose um, Cuaron because he had just done Itu Mama Tambien, yeah. which is like, which is like a, a like a, a Spanish high school sex comedy. Um, with oh, like okay. frontal nudity and like mm, yeah, I mean like the, I remember that yeah. when he was chosen, there was like an act of like really, oh okay. Um, but I I like everything I've ever seen of his. I really like. Yeah, I, I, no, I agree I with that. He's a good director. Um, but this movie I specifically, too. I don't know for some reason, speaks to me. Um, I think it's paced really well. I think it is uh, very aware of what it is and it treads the line between being like a kid's movie, but also having those like beginning darker elements start to creep in that I think works really well. And like the scary moments are like very frightening. Very scary. Yeah. Yeah. Ari? So I'll start by saying I totally agree with you about the pacing specifically. And I think there were like several times while we were watching it, because we actually watched it together when I was in town, mm-hmm. that where both of us were like, yeah, the pacing of this is really good. Like it just really moves through from scene to scene very well. Mm-hmm. The thing, oh, the overall issue that I have with this film is that it is such a stark contrast to movies one and two. And I just, in terms of like continuity and like, this is why I think like the Lord of the Rings films are just a masterpiece because it was Peter Jackson for every film. They all have Mm -hmm. like a through line that happens. I understand with a series like Harry Potter that ended up being eight movies, it probably was going to be impossible to do that. That and, and also like the books weren't even like finished yet. Like we right, were still yes. waiting. Yeah. Yes. She was still writing the books. Like when this one came out, what book were we on? Five or six? Wait, I got six when, when I was in England. So six had already come out at this point. So yeah, no. we were waiting on book seven. You got, you got six when you were in England? Yeah, we were we we had to be heading into six because this is half fourth grade. Fourth grade was this was the summer between seventh and eighth. Yeah. Okay. So we went to England that summer. So this was before this was we like went to right England before six and came before out. book six. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this was movie three coming out. Book six about to be re- be released that same summer. Mm-hmm. I remember when I for like to be clear, because of how much I love Harry Potter and how much Harry Potter means to me, I was still like living my best life in this theater. Like, don't think like I was sitting there being like, what is this? What's yeah. going on here? Like I was fully immersed in this film. And like even yeah, yeah. when I watch it now, I'm fully immersed too. I just had an issue with like it felt like it was such a leap from like what we were kind of used to. And like, I don't know if that literally comes from like me being a Taurus and liking things to be liking familiarity. I don't know. But for some reason for me, it just like, there is still to this day a little bit of like, uh, you couldn't have kept it like just a little bit more similar to the first two films because it was such a leap. And I think like in my own head, the way that I've kind of, made peace with it, which like, who cares?
cares? Like, who cares what I think? But like, in my own mind, I've been like, okay, they were turning 13. They were all becoming mm-hmm. teenagers. Like, it was going to happen oh, at some point. This is a that full was- fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. They're like, no one cares, but I'm going to share this anyway. It was like, okay, they're turning into teenagers. At some point, there's like kind of that moment as you're growing up where you like kind of see the reality, like the world for what it really is. And sure. you start to see, you know, the the darker truth of things. And I feel like that kind of steps in in this book anyway, because we have Sirius yeah. Black, because we have like Buckbeak literally about to be executed, like Harry's Harry realizes that like his parents well thinks he thinks his parents best friend betrayed him only to find out it was like the other friend who was like Voldemort's servant so right and we get the layer of like if we want to you know go with what JK said the layer of Remus Lupin being a werewolf and like being shunned and all that stuff so there's just a lot Mm -hmm. of like darker elements being added in so I was like okay sure if it if that was ever going to come into play, I guess that this is the right movie to do that, especially with like the Dementors already bringing in a darker energy and a darker presence that we haven't mm-hmm. really. Well, no, I still think the Dementors are darker than like people being petrified in a way because it's just this like. Well, external... you also like see the dement, like all the yeah, petrification right. happens right. like off stage. It's very Greek exactly. tragedy where it's yes, like very Greek tragedy. And they're like, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> very Macbeth where it's like the, yes. the page boy comes in and is like, yeah. Lady Macbeth has died. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good night. Oh yeah. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I think. I will any any Harry Potter movie that was ever made any the Harry Potter series that will eventually come out on HBO I I'm sure I will love it I'll always be happier that it exists than doesn't exist but yeah there's something about this movie and we'll get into it when we you know kind of now when we go into breaking it down I'll talk about the specific things that just like still when I watch it back I'm like mm, okay I still... Well, this is the this is the thing as to like why I mean in reality Harry Potter should be like a series of of a television show. Yes, yeah. Because like right. you need a showrunner because you can't. Yeah, yeah. A director is so. Yeah. It's crazy. Like a director, it's such a director's vision. Whatever the film ends up being, mm-hmm. and like if you are going to change directors, even like Alfonso to the next two directors because yates does the five six seven eight yes but there's someone who does four and i don't remember what his name is and also not a female director at sight but um (laughs) (laughs) but even those like we're we're talking about here you think she would (laughs) would let a woman do that how dare Um, even the even those changes you can still tell like the direction itself like four that's, is obviously yeah. very different from three and four is different than like the other. Yeah. So you could, they really get that. And you can tell, like I can tell when I watch, you said five, six, seven, eight is all the same director or is five mm-hmm. a different director? I think it's, they're think all it's, the same. I think it's five, six, seven, eight. Let me look real quick. I just remember. Yeah. You can tell that three and four specifically have different directors. And I also really like the fourth movie too. But even that one, you know, I think would, it, it's probably like three and four on the, Probably like four ranks has the some, lowest. Four has me. some kooky camera angles. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I 
I haven't watched four in a while. So when we watch that, that'll be an experience. Well, we watched it last year during core because RJ had never, it's the one film he had never seen, which I'm like, it really? sets up oh, the okay. rest of the scene. Like you yeah, have that's to true. Watch yeah. Four. Yeah. That's true. Because how do you know he came back? All of a yeah, sudden, yeah. Voldemort's oh. just back. I don't know. <laughs> RJ like thinks that Harry is lying about him being back. He's like, why yeah. does he keep saying he's back? <laughs> he's a liar. He is a liar, he's like, though. He's like, <laughs> Dolores Umbridge is very misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, wait, what's five? Order of the, order of the Phoenix. Um, that is, yep, David Yates. And then let me look up four while we're sitting here. Four is. It wasn't four. Mike five. Newell. Mike, Mike Newell. Newell, yes. Four. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, when they got David Yates, I think he really, he found the sweet spot because it is that darker element, but there's like yeah. a continuity between all the films that, and maybe it's literally just because it was the same director. And is Mike it literally could British? Because like David I Yates, know. I know is British. Oh, there's English just something film director, that, yes. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the only thing that, like, is the downfall of one, two, and three is, like, it's not a British director, which, like, I don't think makes, like, the biggest difference in the world. But I think there is, like, a specificity that this is, like, this is based on the British school system. So I think you do have to have that, like, keen eye of, like, what that experience is like. And you yeah. can't just be like, well, I'll rely on the actors to like yeah. carry it forward. You, can, like, you know what? You can really tell that with the Hogwarts like house robes and stuff like that. I don't know. There's oh. something about that to me that is very costumey in the first two films. And it found like. Oh, how they're like fully neatly dressed the entire yes. time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this film, I think they did a good job of like uh, casually. These are real up- people. Yes, this is really yeah. their school uniforms, and they're very lived in at this point. Yeah, but you know, they maybe t- that's read, like a, I read an age the, thing to do. I read that they this was the apparently they had changed the costume designer every year, which I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Why so would this you do one, that? I don't know, but this one was the one where they redesigned the like school uniform. The only costume that was like from the original two films that was not redesigned was Snape's robes. Those were the only okay. costumes that were kept the same. Everything else was tweaked to some degree. So, like, yeah. obviously, the Quidditch, the Quidditch, uh, co- or uniforms were very different from like what yeah. was originally oh, yeah, in the yeah. first two. Yeah. Um, and then and I they think talked that was about for the best. Like all yeah. of that probably was for the best. Minus fucking Flitwick, <laughs> they just made a completely new character. It's so wild. <laughs> Well, that was because he really liked, um, I wish I remembered Flitwick's name, but he liked, Alfonso liked him as an actor, but Flitwick isn't in the script. Yeah. Um, So he was like, I want, I want him for this like weird choir director. And then I guess later they just really liked the design they came up with for that choir director. And they were like, oh, that's Flitwick. (laughs) Yep. That makes sense. You want to talk about greasy hair. Oh my gosh. got nothing yeah, on Flitwick. <laughs> yeah, because it was the same actor. Yeah. But they, then, yeah, I think we, I can't remember if we talked about this on an older episode or if we just talked about it privately. But like, yeah, we, I was like, oh, it is the same 
actor, they just literally gave him a completely different look. And that's the thing that I just really have a hard time with because I'm like slightly reinventing the character. That's totally fine. Obviously, like sadly, Richard Harris passed away. So you have to recast. Like I get it. But like his costuming was completely different than uh, Albus in the first and second movie. And so I just like really had a hard time with that, that I was like, but he doesn't even, uh, like, it's just like such a different look. It's like completely different. Same with Flitwick. Like it still bothers me sometimes when I go back and I watch it. So it's like the, the continuity is something that it's like really hard for me to like just look past and be like, oh, whatever. Like even now knowing what I know about film and knowing that like, yeah, of course they have a different director. Of course it's going to be different. Like Mm-hmm. Even the costuming, like, I think that, yeah, the costume should have been updated and, like, all that kind of stuff. But it's, like, I just wish there was a little bit more of a through line because it's yeah. such a huge jump from one and two to this film. And it, it always just kind of, like, is a little hard for me to take in. But the pacing is great. The pacing's great. <laughs> also, this is John Williams' last Harry Potter film. He didn't do yeah, the other ones. They, I didn't right, know that. Yeah. I know that um, Alexandra or Alexander Desplat does the music for the final two films, I think, but I don't know oh, who okay. does it in between. Um, but uh, yeah, I literally did didn't know that he left. Yeah, he gave us <sighs> double double toil and trouble, <laughs> and yeah, he said peace out. He's double double toil and trouble. <laughs> Um, and the flight of the hippogriff, which I was obsessed with that song for the longest time. Yes. Um, shall we get into it? Oh, I guess 26 minutes in, I guess we might as well start talking about the actual film. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Prisoner of Azkaban. Right off the bat, we open with Harry doing magic in his room. This is really how we want to open this film? (laughs) Okay. So I don't consider the film the film until we're past the Warner Brothers logo. So this doesn't count for me. (laughs) Don't we go through the Warner Brothers logo into his bedroom? I No, the the Warner Brothers logo, I believe, happens after this scene. Oh, it might be no. I think the Warner Brothers logo happens first, but then the Harry, the title logo doesn't happen until after the scene because he does the yeah, like one big remember. Lumos, yeah. and then you pull out, and then you see the like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. Yes. 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 Quite a quite a choice, in my opinion. I'm like, <laughs> w- hold on. It's and especially because this is the book where he is so worried about being expelled for doing magic. So I'm just like. We're really doing this? And you think that we're not going to notice it? And one of our listeners even sent me a message addressing this, that they were like, I can't wait till you get to the third movie because he does Lumos in his room like right away. I was yeah. like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. It, what that, is that? That is buffoonery. That is bad. Buffoonery the, at its Where's best. the show Bible? Where's the show Bible? Come on. Where is the dramaturg? Yes, dramaturg, where are you? What the heck? The screen supervisor, the dramaturg? Come on now. Yeah. There they should be the first one. Nobody? Craft services couldn't say, (laughs) hey, I I think he's not supposed to be doing magic. There was a PA who was like, why is he doing magic here? And they were like, you're fired. You're fired. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 
You'll never work in this industry again. <laughs> blacklisted. Yeah, blacklisted. Um, no, it doesn't make sense. Um, Just it's like not a great. An, it's the first scene. It's the first <laughs> scene, and it's also stupid because uh, is this the is this the first time we use Lumos and they have that like sound effect that happens? Like there's like a yeah yeah Lumos Maxima and then yeah yeah yep. Um, yeah. it doesn't also like, I don't understand. Did you, I, okay. We did not go to British school. Very famously. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> no. Very famously. Do they, are they like, do they have to do stuff over the summer? They have to practice. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, that's if, okay. If we're going off the books, it's presented as if that is normal. Yes. For them to have homework. So weird. But I don't know. Michael, did you have to do summer school homework? Did you have to do summer school homework? He says no. So maybe this is well, like a went weird. To a public school. <laughs> he didn't go to Hogwarts. <laughs> this is. Or did is, he? Is like... <laughs> he went to Hogwarts. Is this like a, a boarding school type of thing? You know what I mean? Oh, I'm a little too strong. Oh. A villa good. <laughs> We're awake now. Um, also, Michael was like, Albussy is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Albussy. Shout out to my Albussy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we have this nice little opening of Harry practicing magic in his room, which I, just wh- why did we do that? I, I believe in this book he is reading and trying to finish an essay or something like yes. that. And they were just like, no, yeah. let's just have him do magic. But I was like, but you can't have him do magic. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm just like, this is a huge thing in the second book. Like, he literally got a letter but I saying think, he's a- But in the second movie, doesn't it start off with him, like, reading a textbook or something like that? I can't remember No, now. no, he's looking at the photo album with photos. Oh, he's looking of- at the photo album. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it's just, of just his, quite, quite of a, his dead parents, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of his dead mom and his dead dad, and but then mostly a happy his dead smiling dad. photo of him and uh, Ron and Hermione. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So we open with this a very bold choice, and then pretty much we get right into Marge coming to visit. So there's no like, I don't know soft open it's like right into it which is why i think you know they did a good job of with the pacing of this movie they did a good job of eliminating the things they really didn't need yeah there was a moment like right away i believe it's when marge is coming in where the the camera work is really shaky and i was like oh no is this like setting the tone for the whole movie like i was like i hadn't noticed that before i do think it was just the scene that i noticed that yeah there wasn't like another part but for some reason i was like wow you guys really couldn't get like a steady shot of that so that's like that was at the time that was like his thing that was like his signature how he the shaky shots and guillermo was like okay tone that down because that's not gonna work (laughs) can you imagine if guillermo did all like the like three and on first of all they would have been horrifying like yeah, how, they would have been so scary. how scary they would have been. Yeah. 
That's probably why they oh. asked him to do this one, though, with the Dementors, because they were like, "Oh, I'm sure." Yeah, okay, we need this element. Uh, so yeah, spooky Aunt Marge, yeah, spoop, spoopy. spoopy. So Aunt Marge shows up with her dog, um, mm-hmm. and just like right away, you Miss, know, uh, 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 Miss Trunchbull from yeah, Matilda. Miss Trunchbull, yes, exactly, yes. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Here she is. Perfect casting. I think they did a great job. Wearing a fat suit. Um, oh, she was wearing a fat suit. Mm-hmm. I knew she was wearing a fat suit when she blew up. They have her in a fat suit the entire time. Okay, let's talk, but really quick. When she blows up, that entire thing is practical. That entire sequence, not a lick of CGI. How did they make the her ol- float like that? The only seat, they wired her. Oh, the only okay, CGI okay. is they take out the wires. That's the only doctoring to that entire thing that they did. This is what I'm saying. Like practical effects. Those are prosthetics really that me- like blow that were they were bladders yeah. that like inflated and like yeah. around her face and like yeah, the one around her face is great. That's so what I'm saying. Good. Practical the effects. The finger. Like, please make use of yeah the finger. Please make use of practical effects more in the film industry. Please, they just it it's looks so, so much they, better. And they just are like so impressive. Yeah. 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 Cause they could have, they could have done this easily with CGI. And probably now in 2021, we'd be like, oh, that's CGI. But like, it probably sort of looked fine, but there's something about that it was like happening in the room. Yeah. And like, yeah. Oh, it looks so good. I agree. Yeah. And they did in this moment, like when she's in, she's like shit talking his parents. They did make him r- react when she mentioned his mom, which I mm-hmm. liked that. I was like, yes, please let's like make him a little bit more protective of Lily rather than just James. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Marge begins to blow up <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's the moment where the button hits bud, budly. <laughs> button hits Budley. The button hits Dudley in the face and it kills me every time. Like he it's literally so like rises and like tilts his head. Yeah. <laughs> it's so and funny then every time. Again. Yeah. And I think you were the one that said if this was filmed in another way, this would have literally been a horror film. Like what we were watching yeah, you at could that re- point. You could re-edit <laughs> yeah. this and be like, this is horrifying. A horror film. Yeah. Yeah. So then basically this happens. Harry gets his stuff and he's like, Boy, bye. And like, just leaves. Yeah. Bye. See you later. Grabs his trunk. Yeah. And then they, and then they even make a comment about him saying like, you're going to be expelled or whatever. And I'm like, once again, you literally just had him doing magic in his room and nothing (laughs) happened. Like, how did no one catch this? I I cannot believe it. So Harry. Maybe Lumos doesn't count as real magic. Yeah. Lumos doesn't count. You're just yeah, trying yeah. to see. It's like using it's a flashlight. A flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> the wizard's flashlight. Yeah. So Harry's like deuces and, you know, just like dips. And then we've got Marge floating in the background of the shot, which is great. Amazing. Amazing. That um, might be my favorite moment of this film, actually. <laughs> Your favorite moment is Marge. It's floating. so good. <sighs> My it's such a little like moments. cameo from like two seconds ago. It's so good. Yeah. My favorite moment slash moments in this film is when they use the Whomping Willow as the passage of time. I think that was brilliant. Oh, yeah, such yeah. Such a smart, smart Those way to good. show the season's passing. 
Um, although I could have done without it flicking the bird to death. Come on. <laughs> I was like, I don't. Well, well now I'm sad. Uh, so Harry's walking around with his trunk, just like, like, like you, like, I don't know if you ever did this, Adam, but I definitely, when I got mad at my mom for something, would like pack a little suitcase and like walk down the, the street and be like, I'm leaving. I don't know if you I ever never did, that. did that. No, I didn't. I did that. And then I would get like <laughs> two houses down and then come back. <laughs> but that's like one time... giving me that energy. Oh, sure. I one time ran Harry's away, thing. ran away from home mm-hmm. and I just ran we lived like very close to Eggleston the old like elementary yeah. school and so I like ran to Eggleston and then I like played on the playground and then like forgot that I was like mad <laughs> or whatever <laughs> and then came back and she was like I thought you were mad at me and I was like what <laughs> what? what now sorry Who? what <laughs> who said that <laughs> who said that who said that so uh, he's kind of chilling. I think he also is by a playground. And then there's like some spooky yes. spooky effects where the yeah. there's wind blowing and then a yeah. dog. It's it's steps. the beginning of um, the show, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark happens around yeah, Yes, him, yes. There's like the <laughs> Literally. Swing, the, the, yes. the carousel. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's the Are You Afraid of the Dark opening credits. And then, yeah. Siri, and then a black dog who, spoiler, is Sirius Black, comes out. A CGI if, black dog. Yes, very clearly a CGI dog. If they couldn't have gotten a black dog. Thank you. Khaleesi was available. Just kidding. Khaleesi wasn't born yet. <laughs> Khaleesi's mother was available. Yeah, Khaleesi's mother was available. Um, I don't like that the dog barks at him because the dog is supposed to be Sirius Black. So why is Sirius Black like... It just doesn't make any sense. The only thing that like I that would make it okay for me is the fact that maybe he anticipated the night bus coming and so he's barking at him for him to move. Oh. But I don't I don't think that's actually what's going on here. So Harry summons the night bus accidentally. We get um what's his name? Steve. Steve Shunpike. Shunpike. Oh, Stan. Oh, literally, I have right here Stan written. Steve. Sorry, (laughs) sorry, Stan. Sorry, Stan. Stan Shunpike is very interested in why Harry is on the ground, just like in the book. I like this a lot. It's very good. Um, The shrunken head? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The shrunken head. This is like what is the point? So what is the cringe? It's so specific. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if there was like trying to reference the like large Caribbean culture that has immigrated to the UK and so like try to bring like some of that into it just to like be like No, there's Britain's that's not multicultural. What they were doing. I don't know. No, I like it doesn't really doing. make sense. But at the time, uh, yeah. I will say the voice of the shrunken head is married to the new fat lady. So that's fun. Don French? Yes, Don French. <sighs> wow. Well, well, there you go. I mean, I I think they were just trying to add another comedic l- level to it. I feel like. Because they take away 
what's his name? Who Ernie? They take away no, Ernie's, Ernie's voice. There, pretty much. No, but like, yes, he's, he's there. there, but he doesn't talk. So that so yeah, I, I was like, wh- okay. I was like, why didn't know. why didn't we just have Stan and Ern? It doesn't make sense to me. So that was a little weird. Um, the bit with the woman crossing the street and the night bus has to like come to a full stop for her. Great, very funny. How they filmed it is they sh- they had the night bus go at a normal speed and then all the cars around them go at like very slow speeds. And then they just like sped the film up so that it looks like it's driving way faster. Gotcha. That makes sense. Which is super fun. I love Mind mind Your Head. I love that. Which is like a reference to Mind the Gap on on the tube, which we love. I just like I, I feel like Stan could have said all those lines and it would have been fine. It, it's like it's yeah, it's just kind of cringe. I'm like, especially just with how little black characters we have in this film, and then we have like yeah. a Jamaican shrunken head. I was like, <laughs> yikes! And we get multiple of them in this movie. That's yes. the <laughs> yeah, they come back. This isn't the only appearance. Has got some too, girl. <laughs> Um, and I would like to say that Ern never forgets that he has magic on his side, like some of these other bitches. He is very aware. <laughs> so nothing good job. but respect for hey. my Ern. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take it away, Ernie. Uh, so they arrive at the leaky cauldron, and like <laughs> uh what's his name is already there, ready for him. I don't Cornelius like Fudge. this in yes, Cornelius. Cornelius I don't like this interpretation of Tom. It's just for the same reason of we already, I know it it wasn't in the second movie, but in the first movie we did get a Tom when Hagrid first brings Harry to the leaky cauldron. And so it's just, it's the same thing of like the continuity that they didn't even try to make him look anything like the first Tom. It's just like a completely different person, a completely different take. I just don't like it. They really, this is wild because they were like, it's Igor. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, it doesn't really make sense at all. Not very like inventive. It's, it's just like an easy choice. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just, I think there's this thing about the movie, this movie specifically, where it's just like leaning in to like, this is a fantasy world. Yeah, this the is hilarity like, of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I will say, like, so far we've had, obviously, the Marge blowing up sequence, and then we've had the sequence of, like, him getting spooked by the dog, and then we've had the Mm -hmm. night bus. And the move, the reason I think this movie is so well-paced is because none Mm -hmm. of these sequences overstay their welcome. There is not a point in any of these where you're like, all right, I get it, the bus is, like, magic. Like, it does something different every time. I think it always does, like, three different things. And yeah. then it's like, and now we're moving on to the next thing. And it's right. just like yeah. so good. Like it's so strong. I just, I can't get over how like well, and this, what's crazy is this movie doesn't feel, this movie has more text to base itself on because this book is longer yeah. than the previous two. And yet right. it's so much shorter and like doesn't feel like, it overstays its welcome at any yeah. point. Like it's it's no. really impressive, honestly. 
And Which even I think, though, honestly, when I when I think about it, I think that might be why it's my favorite movie is because mm. it it's so well paced and it doesn't cut anything super big because all of the following films yeah. have to cut major plot. Yeah, points they have just to leave time. something out. Yeah, yep. yeah. Which is always a bummer when you're. That's why it'll it'll it probably will do so much better as a TV show. Honestly, a hundred percent. Just like um, Game of yeah. Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Game Did of you Thrones. Imagine if they tried to make Game of, of Thrones a movie. And and I will say, with like in terms of this film being different, like just like how starkly different it is, like the lighting, the cinematography, the color palette that they chose, all beautiful, like gorgeous choices. I think they look so stunning. Like it's an incredible movie to watch just visually. And I think the all the choices so are so good. good. Yes. And I, and I have such appreciation for it, but it just, it, it's so different from one and two. So it's just yeah. hard for me to like jump to that space. Um, and like, there's no, I know Chris Columbus was like, I really tried to make it darker, like book two movie two darker, but like, yeah, it's, it's really not. I mean, like yeah. in comparison to one, it's and a I, little bit darker, right. but like they're so similar. Like there's such a yeah. package. And then yeah. to go to this is fully like. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It almost is like they should have ended with Coron and then like used the other ones to get there. <laughs> Yeah, but I do know the kids, uh, like uh, Emma, Rupert, and Dan, all said that they really loved working with Alfonso, and they had such a good time with him, and he really wanted to hear their input and all that. So, like, confirmed yeah. that he is a wonderful director. I mean, clearly, off of the actors he's worked with, they've said he's just delightful to work with. Well, and also, I think, like, they were just getting to that age where you can, like, really, like, have like make decisions and like have like yeah. actual thought behind what you're saying. Right. So that's like really exciting. And if you have someone who's like encouraging you to do that, like that's got, it has to feel. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. It's holding yeah. space for you and asking you what you think and all that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he really facilitated a very open and like lovely environment on set for the kids, which is so, which is very important. Um. So yeah, we're at the leaky cauldron. <laughs> We've got, Igor, Tom, bobbing around. <laughs> Tigor. <laughs> Tigor. <laughs> um, there is this lovely moment where there's a wizard reading a brief history of time right before we get uh, reunited with, I think, Ron and Hermione, or maybe it's a separate, it's something in the Leaky Cauldron where there's a man reading a brief history of time. He's, which, he's twirling his, he's stirring yes, his coffee uh -huh. or his tea. Right. Just kind of alluding to the time turner and the time traveling that's going to happen. Um, I think there's a there's a bartender in the background that is wiping down a table. He picks up a bottle. He like puts his towel over it and then the bottle disappears and then he goes back to wiping <gasps> the table. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's great. I only know it because I just watched a video about like on YouTube. I don't even remember what the Those video was, moments. but it was like tiny moments in Harry Potter yeah. that are like too good to miss. And, and I love when films do shit like that. I, I know that this that. movie. Yeah. I know that this movie was the first one, the only one in the entire franchise where they hired an illusionist to like come and like do or like teach a little bit of like how stuff works. Wow. And like, yeah. he, I think that's his cameo because I know he has a cameo in the Leaky Cauldron. So I would assume it's that one. Yeah, he does the Must like be. 
That would or make he's sense. the guy stirring the spoon, but I don't think it's that. I think it's yeah. That. that would make the most sense. Um, that's another thing I really like about this movie. There is so much background magic going on all the time. Yeah, yeah. There, there is like right. not a shot in this film where there's not something also happening, and right. like. Alfonso shot this in in um on a wide camera lens so that you constantly got both the background and the foreground always in the yeah. shot. So you never And there's a anything. lot of like traveling shots where it's yes. like either following a character or like transitioning and you get to see all that which is really cool. I think it's that's a very good choice. Uh, I do so like Harry the gets upstairs. Up- I like the upstairs of the like the fact that it's oh, like that a two hallway? story in like, I, oh, yeah, yeah. the, like, lady who knocks on the door, housekeeping. Yeah, that's literally what I was going to mention. So the housekeeping witch the next morning comes up yeah. and, like, knocks on the door. And then something roars at her. What's in there? I love it. I don't know, but <laughs> so I love where, it. A werewolf? Are we supposed to think it's a werewolf? Is it a, a hag who just didn't sleep well? It's. I'm going to say a it's banshee. a banshee. Who knows? <laughs> It's like an actual growl, though. So just like things like that where I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like a lion's then, roar, like a bear's roar. The thing is that it that's funny, but what really sells it is she goes, I'll come back later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to applaud this woman. This Great. woman's choice is incredible. I wish I could have like a one-liner in a Harry Potter film like that. That's what I'm saying is like, have any of the other ones had like a not character have a one-liner yet? I think this is the first movie that's like given that to the just train randos. conductor in the first movie that's like platform nine and three quarters. Think of being funny, do ya? That's it. That is not I a one-liner. That's, <laughs> that's not a joke. Housekeeping. I'll come back later then. That's not a one-liner yeah, she, either, bitch. She sells it. She's giving me the fantasy. Oh, the fantasy. Okay. Yes. So basically, Harry, it seems like Harry had a good night's sleep. Everything's fine. He comes downstairs and our golden trio is reunited again. Harry's just smiling down at Ron and Hermione, which I thought was so cute. It's like such a mm-hmm. cute little moment of him being like, Oh, my friends. I was into it. And then uh, all the background music in the Leaky Cauldron, just like, fuck yeah. Great. Oh, There's so like the, It's like a little like jig mu- yes. like sound song playing the whole time. Yeah. It's so good. Once And then once again, like I made a note that I was like, yeah, the pacing is really good. Obviously, any film transposed or like. Um, adapted from a book that's like 300 pages is going to have to cut things like that's inevitable yeah yeah i just was like uh, yeah i didn't need to see them choose to buy crookshanks i didn't need to see them be like oh scabbers is sick like i didn't need any of it i don't need to see him get ice cream every day like i it's just yeah it's so like right in the book he's there for like weeks yeah it knows what it should cut and it's very smart about it yeah. Yes. And then there's this very dramatic zoom in on Harry when, when he says, why would I go looking for someone that wants to kill me? As like the train whistle comes in, I think, or like a yeah, tea yeah. kettle whistle is going off. And then. <laughs> oh, I made a note about that. We're not even there yet. 
We're not and even there yet. And then, and then we're at platform nine and three quarters, heading back to school. And I also uh, liked Scabbers the, um, was, Scabbers I was liked, almost left behind. I liked the Arthur pulling him to the side. And like, I liked what right. I liked about yes. it. This made it was way like more a tracking sense. shot that moved them to the side. You still heard the commotion in the background of like everybody else talking in the background. So it was like a very right. close private. Com- I just thought it was. Yeah. Instead of the whole Harry overhearing them only for Arthur to confront him. We didn't need any of that. This was great. Good job. At just getting right to it. It I'm was like, yeah, we don't have time writer. for that. Great. We need to shout them out. Yeah. Good job. And I wonder if they, it was they do was it they the screenwriter from It's the screenwriter from the first two. It is okay. um Steve Cloves. Yeah, is okay. The screenwriter. There are some things he actually does fix in this movie from the book that I think are like yeah. very smart. Yeah. Thank That's you, Steve. You did a good job. I know um, you're listening. I, w- I know you're listening. When I was talking <laughs> <laughs> When I was talking about uh when I missed miss miss Duck Miss Took? Miss who? (laughs) (laughs) When I mistook a stand for Steve, it was because I was thinking of Steve Cloves, obviously. Oh, obviously. (laughs) How could you not? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, So, yeah. So, we're heading back to school. Um, They're looking for a compartment. The only one available is uh, the one with Lupin in it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love that. Is it Ron? Oh, no. Harry goes, do you think he's really asleep? Well, if he was, now he's not. I would be like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, oh, they're about to talk about something. Yeah, exactly. Let me just. (laughs) (sighs) It's just weird. It's like, don't say anything. Like, whatever. Um, so then he fills them in on the serious black drama. They're like, oh, so he came out for you. Oh, Harry. Oh, but wow. this is another, this is another, sorry, this is another like really good, this is like if you're in a screenwriting course, this is like how you do it. I don't need to watch him retell them what he yes, was just yeah, told. Right. The you just cut to yeah. their reactions. Like you set up yep. that you know that he's going to tell them and then you cut to what happens after. And it's yeah. just, again, Steve, Great. you're doing the Lord's work. We love you, Steve. We Great stand. Job. Well done. Well done. We stand, well Steve. We, we stand, stand we Shun Steve. We stand, Steve. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and then this is the moment where we in, we see the Dementor for the first time. Very well done. Very terrifying. The scabby hand is like no. straight out of a nightmare. The robes the, like, billowing in the wind. Ro- uh, yes, like all of it, the like breath sucking in sound, like everything is terrible. And then we get the little Remus loop into the rescue moment. I'm kind of confused about the Patronus at this point. Like I'm like, so the Patronus is just like a beam of white light. I'm kind of confused. But the main yeah. thing we need to shout out here is that Lily Evans was evidently a Soprano one. Because when she yes. screamed, yes. it was the Honey, <laughs> this is the high A in the Hallelujah <laughs> Chorus, honey. <laughs> I could not get over this moment. I want to say this, though. Come on! It was like exactly that. 
What's crazy about it is like we were watching this with my mother and we commented on this and we were like, this is goofy. And then my mom was like, well, it's because they're trying to match it to the train whistle. And I was like, yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Yes, but then we know. Do it like every other time in this movie. She does the like, Hurray! Um, I will say this. It's very impressive. I don't remember in the book. No, because in the book, he just blacks out and then he wakes up and they're like talking to him. Um, Yeah, which is kind of essentially what they ended up doing in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of black out. I didn't think about this. Fade in from black. I love that Remus Lupin can conjure a Patronus. You would just think that someone with that sad of a life would not have I was like, enough can... happy memories to be like, I can conjure a full Patronus. Oh, okay. I was like, he conjures a Patronus in the book. I thought you were like happy they were showing it in the movie, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Because I didn't think yeah, about no, it. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. yeah. His friends all died. <laughs> or he believes Literally. at this point that all his friends have either died or have been murderers. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So. Uh, it's impressive that he can still be like, I've got something. Remus Lupin, you know, he went, he's the only wizard that attends therapy, clearly. Because <laughs> he's literally. <laughs> we stand just, Steve yeah. and therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, Remus Lupin to the rescue. Um, Harry's like, did either of you two pass out? <laughs> and they're like, no. Nope, we didn't. And then we're back at Hogwarts. Hooray! And we get the little double double toilet trouble choir, iconic. It's like literally one of my I think everyone would say, you know, when they think of Harry Potter, they think of double double toilet trouble. Yeah. I wanna say that after reading the book and watching the movie, I don't think I really understand why Harry is so affected by the Dementors. Because we're given the explanation that Dementors go after people who have like heightened emotions. And I understand that he has experienced trauma, but he experienced trauma at one year old. They just know that memory's in there, so they... I like that theory that they know he has two souls, so they're like really extra interested. You're right. In you're right. Let's go with our <laughs> canon. Yeah. <laughs> the HP Anxious canon, which is that they yeah. were like, this That's motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. This kid's got two souls. So, yeah. So they're like, this kid with two souls, we need to get him. And Remus Lupin's like, no, get out of here. And then we're back at Hogwarts, and the double, double toil and tr- trouble choir is. Is this like the hog the Hogwarts Toad Choir? There's like the an actual choir. name for this. It's the, the Frog, frog choir. choir. Okay. Yep. The Frog Choir is serenading. Because they have it at Universal too. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. That's they, I haven't seen it, them do a show in a while, but yeah, that's like they sing before like, the pandemic. At least that was the they big. Sing like pop hits. Like they're supposed no, no, to. No, no, they do that. They, they do, do double Harry double Potter double, double too. but yeah, they yeah. also do pop hits because they're supposed to be like we're under a spell and all of a sudden we can't help but sing like oh I don't like that idea it's a little they goofy. literally do the one 
where it's like because it's supposed to start out as like a classic yeah that's your impression of classic choir yeah frog and then and then Whoopi Goldberg comes in or the the stage manager is like take off your robes I don't know your choir director says take off your robes oh happy day <laughs> Lily Evans comes in to hit the high note yeah. from the grave. <laughs> oh my gosh. When Jesus says, This is so stupid. Why? You are dying. Adam, she is dying. And she yeah. that's how she's screaming. Somebody oh and God. Harry's like, you're a little sharp. You're a little sharp, yeah, Katie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, since we're back at Hogwarts, I think this is the right time to have the Michael Gambon conversation. Okay. There, the main note that like we discussed throughout the watching of this film is just that like he is lacking this warmth that Dumbledore has. And the mm-hmm. fact that you were like, he did not read uh, the books or like see the the previous portrayal of Dumbledore because he wanted to, everything like starts with him. Is an actor, that's like always the idea that like you have to find something within you that like connects to the character. Sure. I just don't believe that you wa- reading the books or you watching the movies is going to like mess that up. I really believe that that would only be able to help you. And I feel like it shows in this film specifically and in film four. I'm trying to remember if he's even in film five that much. Film four. In this film and the next film. That put it, it, put on fire. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just like there, he's lacking warmth and like the yeah. thing that in my mind really is like the essential Dumbledore vibe. Like, I just don't get that from him in this film. I really don't like the costume change. I really don't like the change in his hair. It's just Mm. like, it doesn't, I I don't like it. Um, So now how much of, you know, the, the costuming, the, um, the costuming, the hair, maybe even like he was directed to portray this character in a certain way. Like I like to, you know, remind myself and everyone that sometimes it's not the actor's fault that a character is moved in or like gets sure. pushed in a specific direction. But like hearing that, hearing that he didn't want to read the books and didn't want to see the previous portrayal and all blah, 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 blah. I feel like that shows and I feel like he does get it eventually. So that's why it's like, it's not that I just like hate him. I just like, it's not this, <laughs> this ain't it. It's interesting because if you think about the fact that this man has never read a Harry Potter book and his first experience with this character was this script, you have to at some now, Steve, we have to lay some of the we have to lay some of this blame at Steve's feet. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Only because. Sure. Right. Because all you're basing it on is like what you get in the text of the script. Um, and typically a lot of times the writer is not on set when people are filming. Like sometimes they have that privilege, but not always. Yeah. 
not always. And I bet in something this like money wise, like they're not going to yeah. be like, we're going to rewrite today. Like I, I yeah. just have a feeling that that was probably not happening. Um, Although they did do that with Lord of the Rings. So maybe, who knows? Yeah, but Lord of the Rings is constantly like the one-off situation where it's like they shot the whole thing all together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like 18 months of shooting. Are you ready? (laughs) Did you hear the the Amazon series is coming out next year in September? Oh, is it? They announced it. Yeah, I can't They put New Zealand on the map. We didn't even know it was a country before Lord of the Rings. God bless. Mm -hmm. Um. We didn't even know it was a country. We didn't know. <laughs> Who knew? It's an island. Um, I Michael Gambon in this movie specifically, I think a little bit in book four, but it's a little bit better. Um, there is a thing that that the screenwriter Steve Cloves does where any scene that has to carry warmth is given to Lupin. Yes. And any scene that has to carry like authority uh, authority yeah and not like mean authority but just like um high authority is given to yeah. dumbledore and yeah. i think that was probably why he read this character the way he read this character yeah. um cuz obviously if you read the books i do think there is like a way that he delivers the line at the very end of the film when he says when he's yeah, like asking them yeah i actually them, made a note of that when he's asking yeah. them like how it went and then there's like kind of walks away that that is very Dumbledore. That is th- Dumbledore. Right. But I think that's the only one um, that is really delivered in like what one who reads the books and is very immersed in like the literature knows to be like the Dumbledore style. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it really, I understand like, yes, he should probably read the books. Uh but that's probably just not his style to be honest as an actor. And that's, and that's who you cast and that's, and then that's the casting director and that's the like director. Um, Yeah. I don't mind it because I do get, well, okay. I don't hold Dumbledore in the like high esteem that like Allie does or like a lot of um, people who read and watch the movies do. I still cry. That's the only time I've ever cried reading a book was when Dumbledore died. Mm. Um, I think it was. Spoiler. (laughs) Um, But I think that has more to do with like, he was the like the biggest paternity paternal figure in the series. And so like losing him was the full loss of innocence. And Um, just like seen as such a beacon of light in the uh, wizarding world, you know, like in in this world she's created. we have said she she had stated multiple times at that point he was the only one Voldemort ever feared. Right. So we were mm-hmm. like, well, we're really fucked now, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't mind Gambin's betrayal in this film. I the design of his character changing it so drastically, I think was partly because this new designer wanted to, and also probably right. was purposeful. Yeah. In honesty, yeah, I think it's just a combination like, of all of that. And I don't, I don't mind it personally. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it would be disingenuous to put him in similar robes to what Richard Harris wore. Um, well, and, and hearing I think, that they just got a completely different costume designer, it's like that makes sense. 
Yeah. It's just the timing of it. Yeah. It's the timing of all of those changes at one it's, time for me that I'm like, ah, okay, that's the thing. That's the thing that people who don't like the Harry Potter fans who don't like this film. And there really does feel like it's like two camps. Like you like this film or you do not yes, like this film. You or love not, this film or you're not. Or it's, this is you not really your favorite. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Cause it's not right. that you don't like it. Cause that's never the thing. It's no, always like, objectively it's that, by itself, it's a good film. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, uh, Michael's favorite film too. Yeah. Like he's um, in 100% agreement with you that he's like, this is the best one. I think it's that it's so many changes and you're only able to um, suspend your disbelief so much until you're exactly. like, my exactly. brain can't handle this much change. Like, exactly. There, there. I read that like Alfonso Cuaron came in and he was like, I want this school to feel like a real place instead of like a series of sets that we shot different Mm. scenes at and that's why they purposefully were like you come out of the great hall and now you're into like the stairwell yes and i love that you build the walk down like yeah those all make sense It, it but it's it's that it's the fact that it's like all of it like all there is not a touch of this film that has stayed the same from the first two other than the casting of all of the major players. Right. So I give Even them the, credit Even the like screenplay for... feels different. Yeah, yeah, it does. Which is like and crazy I give them... because it's the same screenwriter. Right. So like give them credit where credit is due that like after this was all established, they kept this consistent. Like yeah. moving forward, they, this is, you know, they use that bridge. They use the exit from Hogwarts into the grounds. They keep it the same, like for everything moving forward. So that's good. I'm glad that they did that. You know what this reminds, this movie reminds me a lot of The Last Jedi, only in that Ryan Johnson went in and was like, I have a very specific idea of what I want to do with this story. But Star Wars did the opposite reaction where they because we didn't have like Harry there was no social media presence obviously when Harry Potter 3 uh-huh. came out and i think yeah. if there had been because again critics love the third film like the yeah. the the critics it it's a good review, film it's alone standalone it's a great film but i think at the time if there were like fan stands on twitter if that had been a thing there would have been like a really big pushback oh, against yeah. this film yeah And I think Warner Brothers probably would have reverted back to the Chris Columbus style, even probably Mm. tried to hire him back to finish the rest Mm. of the series. And I think it's very telling that like this happened before social media and then they just stuck with it. And then the other films like benefit from like these massive changes because at some point you would have had to change the Chris Columbus version of Harry Potter in Uh, order to show the story that has to happen later. Right. Right. And I don't think... So it pushed it in a good direction in the end, for sure. It's just that it's so... It's a lot. And I don't disagree that it is a lot. I think I just... I I just am a person who likes that it's a lot. And there are people who mm-hmm. think it's, like, too much of a change. Like, if it had, yeah, like, me, metered me. out in a little <laughs> bit of a time... Yeah. I think that would yeah. also would have been fine and could have been interesting. But, like, this is, again, yeah. the problem of, like... If you don't have a consistent, like, they probably had the same pr- executive producers, I would assume, the whole time. Yeah. But, like, yeah, yeah, they did. producers only get so much artistic say because, at the end of the day, producers are really there to, like, 
make sure funds are happening. And there's um, just so many when you are on a film, like you really can't know what it's like until you are on a film set. There are sure. so many moving parts. There are a million people there to do the lights, to do the makeup, to check the actors. Then you have the yep. actors, the directors, the producers, the screen supervisors. Like you have so many people in run one room to try and get this one shot in like mm-hmm. three hours. Like, so it's yeah, I mean, there's just so it, many moving parts, and the director has to make sure all of those parts can ha- move and happen at the same time in the exact way it needs to for them to get the shot. Like, and it's and a the lot other to thing, of course. And the other thing too is like movie making specifically. I mean, most obviously filmed media, but like movie making specifically, everyone is an artist. Everyone that you just yeah, named right. is a specific right. individual. Like I have my own art style. I want to do it this way. Yeah. Like obviously your boss can tell you something, but it's not like you're directing like a, a suite of accountants to do like formulas where yeah, it's like, right, this right. is the Everyone formula. Everyone has their own interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what's so crazy. Like there's obviously the, the idiom of too many cooks in the kitchen and mm-hmm. filmmaking. And like, I obviously come from like a Disney background. So like animation is like, Oh my gosh. It's, it's crazy to think beast. about. It's crazy to think about that animation can even happen because of the amount of I people, know. I the know. amount of people that all have their own, like, I see my my art in this way can yeah. still like work together and create a cohesive film. It's just like this is why movie movies and television are so they they get a lot of they're so accessible obviously and theaters the same way every any kind of like massive art form in this way where it's separate from like visual art where it's like a painter is painting a painting a sculptor is sculpting something, a photographer is doing this, a musician is writing a song. Like those are so narrow and this is so broad that it's anytime anything works, the reason it gets so much acclaim is because it's like, there is no reason this should work. When they say flash in the pan, it literally is like, yeah. Why is this working? This shouldn't this there's there so many people involved. There are 10 minutes of credits in a Marvel film yeah. and I spent the entire two and a half hours of Endgame sobbing because it was incredible. Like yeah. that shouldn't work and yet it does. And I think that's what's so exciting about like when artists are allowed to like push their art and like work together because like I don't I don't know. It's like the human spirit is like coming it's like together. A mani- it's like a magical thing happening yes, right in front of yes, you. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. This is so off topic. Anyway, I like Michael Gambon. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have drunk. known the Michael Gambon conversation would have turned into this. Would have turned uh, into a discussion yeah. on art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, I think you're right. The thing I wanted to touch on before we move on is that like, you are right though, that it's like this idea of like, go home or go go big. Like they went big and so many people responded so positively to it. So it's like, and I, it, being someone that is like, yeah, the, the third movie isn't my favorite. I still can ob- objectively look at it and be like, yeah, but standalone, it is a good film. It's just the mm-hmm. fact that it was such a different take that it's hard for me to adapt to that. But it's like, I would rather they do that than him be like untrue to his artistic inclinations mm-hmm. and then like try to just do what Christopher Columbus did. Cause it's like, he's not Christopher Columbus. So yeah. I'm glad that he didn't do that in the end, but it's just, yeah, you're right that the films later really did benefit from this shift, but it's just, yeah, you're right that it's a lot to take in. 
just in but it, one, but it, from one it, movie to the other. It is, yeah. Especially like, I mean, I think probably this film did benefit from having an extra like six months between like two yeah, and Yeah, yeah, they had more time. Right, right. Which like probably helped lessen the like negative reaction. Because I think if this movie had happened exactly a year after, people would have been like, oh. there probably would have been more like, what's happening? I think we, you're right. That had there been, happened? yeah, had social media been more of a presence? God, I can't even imagine the backlash imagine. and like how people, how people would have responded. So let's be grateful that that wasn't a thing. So yes, we're introduced to our new Dumbledore, um, and then we also get introduced to our new fat lady. And I love the new fat lady, Don French, very well known English actress. Um, I don't like that the portrait has been relocated. So the portrait is in a completely different location. That's weird to me. I don't like um, it. But then, yeah, but then we get into the, the Gryffindor because, Tower with... Oh, yeah, Because ahead. the Gryffindor portrait is such a specific location in the school. Yes. I understand his whole thing of being like, I do want this to feel like a real place instead of being like, well, we shot this scene at Oxford and then we shot but this scene at Cambridge. But have it in a corridor, and then honey. We, but like... Put it in but a still, hallway. But yeah, there's something still about like, it did need to feel... I, even if like it had... Yeah, no, it's the fact that it's in the stairwell. It's literally it's a, like in the stairwell. Yeah. If they had like just moved it they had been like they had moved from the stairwell into a hallway and it was like right against this, like very adjacent to the right stairwell off the corner. Fine. And then yeah. you saw the like spiral of, or like, cause, cause um, obviously Gryffindor tower is like a tower. It's like the highest tower yeah, a tower or no. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think the astronomy tower is higher, but it's like highest, it's, but it's a tower. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so that is not my favorite thing. But I love the new fat ladies. She's great. I do. I want to know. I didn't get to read all of the IMDb, so I wonder if there was like an explanation why she didn't come back. Or if it was I just I feel like, like they just didn't know if they were going <laughs> to. Yeah, I just don't know if they were going to have her come back. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and then as we're, we get a little peek into the uh, boys dormitories with Harry and Ron and the other boys, the other other third years at this point in time in the Gryffindor Tower. Um, And then we actually, we do see an actual ghost come in to the, before we go into the dormitories, we see a ghost come in to the um, Gryffindor common room. So in the cinematic universe, ghosts can just come into the common room because we have this discussion where Peeves shows up in Harry's Uh bedroom. In Harry's bedroom. like wait what so yeah so we get this little glimpse into the dormitory and then we pan out of the window outside of hogwarts where we have all the dementors like looming around the castle which is very Mm -hmm. spooky and a very good transition shot yeah yeah very good transition shot very good idea and then i think the the transition i think the ghost coming through the court i think i'm putting this together in my brain right now the thing i constantly have said while reading these books is like i love when there's just one-off magic like it's a right, throwaway line moments or whatever. yeah right and right. she just tosses them off those are mm-hmm. my favorite bits because they build the world in such like a real way because like if this if the world was real 
you wouldn't make everything like everything is so important. Like you'd be like, yeah. oh yeah, and then there's the thing in the corner doing the thing. <laughs> so it's the fact that this movie leans into like things in the background are just happening because that's honestly just how the world works, I think is like yeah, yeah, one of the, the reasons world. I respond so favorably to this Yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. And I think they do try to include that a little bit more moving forward in the other films. But it has been a while since I've seen four and five. So I'm like trying to remember. But I think they, I do think this movie does it the most though. I do think this film. movie does it the most more than any yeah. other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. <clears throat> so we get the spooky shot with the Dementors as a transitioning shot. And then we literally transition like right into our first divination class. So Emma Thompson, standing ovation for Emma Thompson. Where's the Oscar? Iconic. Where yes, is iconic. the Oscar? Can you believe that and this woman only has an Oscar for, for a screenplay? Can you believe that? She does not have an acting Oscar. She wrote Sense and Sensibility. She adapted Sense oh, and, and that's Sensibility. What she, and that's, and that's what, what she has she an has Oscar a, for. Oh, I totally assume she won the Oscar for being in that. Wow, no, really? She, you know, it was the screenplay. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, so basically, Emma Thompson is God's gift to this earth. We love her. Um, just the blocking is iconic. Like how she like bumps into her table and then she's like, Harry, like as she's looking oh. at his teacup with her eyes, like you, her, her, what is it? Coke bottle glasses and her yeah. eyes are like giant. Oh my gosh. I unfortunately feel like I have to address that in the third movie, Lavender Brown was played by a black actress, and then they ended up recasting her for the sixth film. And if you look, yeah. Adam has looked it up on IMDb to verify. If you go and look, she is billed as Lavender Brown. It's not like, oh, she's just there. We're assuming she's Lavender Brown. She is billed as Lavender Brown. I really don't like this. This doesn't sit right with me. I remember when someone wrote about this. I think I just read about it on Instagram or something like that. And I was like, I really hope this isn't true. And then I went and looked and like, sure enough, it was. And I was like, come on. We have to do better. That it's poor girl. twofold. This is the problem, though. There's actually two problems with this. Jennifer Smith, okay, played Lavender Brown and then was recast as a white girl. That's problem one. Mm -hmm. They cast a black girl as Lavender Brown. <laughs> You're so stupid. No, I literally mean like they have... The fact is, is that you know that there are so many decisions made that they were like, Lavender Brown. Gotta be a black girl, right? Gotta be a black girl. Oh my god. That's what I'm saying. J.K. Rowling He's specifically like, was like, oy, oy, oy. <laughs> Jennifer well, no. Smith, I'm Remember, so sorry. J.K. Rowling believed that Hermione was black the whole time, just never decided to say anything to anybody. Right, but Emma Watson must have just had the best reading, so you know. <laughs> Colorblind casting. <sighs> yeah, so this is like a big yikes. It's just like, oh, she's a love interest. Oh, well, now we have to recast her with a white actress. Yeah. What the fuck? And just the fact that the, it's like so blatant that that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Gross. You have, we have to do better. <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah, it's the it's the it's that like you already named an actress as Lavender Brown, and obviously you don't that- have to stick to that actress if she's not actually an actress. Like that's fine, but like but you've already so- visually represented her on screen. And how sad too if like you were the person that was playing Lavender Brown, that you would be like, oh yeah, reading that book, being like, oh. Yay, I'm going to have a big part in this movie coming up. And then they're like, mm. actually, it's like, or oh imagine God. like, it's the same thing of being like, they cast Cedric Diggory for this because he's like in the Quidditch scene. Like when he's playing against like Hufflepuff and uh, it's the scene when uh, they are yeah, like, yeah, re- but it's not yeah, yeah. right. But what if it but was like not- a black actor who just happened to be playing Cedric Diggory and then yeah. like you get to the next book and they're like, well, it's Robert Pattinson actually. Like, it's yeah, like, right, right. It's not. Yeah. It just doesn't look good. like. Yeah, it doesn't. You, you just got to commit to what you're. Yeah. 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 Come on. It's so obvious. It's so transparent what, why you're doing this. And it. <laughs> you need some help. Get some help. And like, um, Brown isn't even like the end. She they don't even end up together. Yeah, exactly. Not that, I, not that I'm saying like. I don't know. I just like no. This is what I'm saying. It's it's just you're showing that your 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 internalized racism is showing. Why do you care? Why do you care if Ron dates a black girl? Oh, and also the lavender brown thing aside, there is this new Gryffindor student who they've decided to give a bunch of lines to, and I really oh. like him. Yeah, like I really like him. Yeah, I think yeah. he's great. Mm-hmm. Why not one let him just become a character? Or why not give his yeah. lines to another Gryffindor that already exists? Like, they, it's so weird. He never comes back. He's not in any of the other movies. Do they give him it's a name? It's so weird to me. They have to name Good him. Question. There's no way he's just yeah. unnamed. IMDb. You know what they... Oh, no. <gasps> no. What did they do? Do you see it? No. He is... Boy he One. He plays a character called Boy One. His name is yeah, Eco like, Corti. Okay. Yeah. And also so he's very why, attractive. What's happening? Why not? Yeah, I love him. He has such a good presence too. Why yeah. not? But why add this character when you already have Seamus, yeah. you have Dean, you have Neville, you have Lavender Brown, you have Parvati. Come on, they also, man. also like they could have gotten away with like um what is this this is uh uh not transfiguration um divination divination Divination. i would have believed that it's like all four houses in the third year or what or like your first make him anything it doesn't matter we don't have to know his name but like i don't know to name him boy one to name him boy one I literally thought I was expecting to see like black student <laughs> by the oh, way. That you said. Oh, no. I was like, <laughs> I, the way you were like, well, you see it. I was like, they oh, named fuck, them boy. Boy. so yeah, you're right. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, of course, boy. <sighs> your internalized racism is showing. Get your shit together. Educate yourself. So yeah, I really I like want to this apologize student. to the listener who doesn't like that we bring up real world topics. I do want to. I was, just, I was just about to say, the person that's like, I just wish it wasn't as depressing. We're not going to do this podcast in a vacuum. I'm no, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> there are real real world problems are happening. This doesn't happen outside of 
this existence that we are all currently in. Yeah. So. You can't be a light worker if you're not a shadow worker. That's how it works. Yeah. So, yeah, it's sad that this – I think he's a great actor. It's sad that they don't bring him back. Um, but it doesn't really make sense that they gave him all these lines to begin with when they have all these other Gryffindors that they could have given them to. So uh, we transition from divination right into Care of Magical Creatures. I like this. I like that we're only really visiting the classes that are new slash uh, have new professors because we get to see mm -hmm. Lupin's class as well. Mm -hmm. um, so in the Care of Magical Creatures scene in the movie – uh, Hagrid is not as embarrassed or like anxious, which I, I honestly kind of like, I like that he has a little bit more confidence in himself. Um, they did correct this. There was only one hippogriff as it should be. <laughs> we did not. Yeah. Twelve. No. Boo. The 12 hippogriffs is ridiculous. Steve. Um, congratulations. You did a great <laughs> yeah, job. Steve, here. Good job, Steve. <laughs> Kudos. Um, and then this is like the first uh CGI well no 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 I guess the the talking head was probably CGI and then like some of the dementors the dog the dementors oh right okay so yeah never mind the, I guess maybe this, this is, is the first CGI, first CGI that looks CGI in this film <laughs> the first um, I hate you I hate you my note just says great CGI so this maybe yeah. is the first like they great spent money CGI. on this on on yeah for sure. And they did have nope, they had Hedwig. <laughs> this just in Hedwig the Hippogriff, everyone. Hedwig the Hippogriff. <laughs> um uh, <laughs> this is a great podcast. Um yeah, so I think they did have a practical effects hippogriff as well, though. Like an animatronic one. So it's a Maybe. combination of CGI and animatronic. Sure. Uh, Buckbeak. Uh, <laughs> this is random, but I just really liked that Draco was chomping on his apple and it was like a bright green apple at that. I was like, yes, I'm into this. Also, so like the this... villain trope of like an apple. I just, I liked it. Is this the first Draco scene? No. Because he um, hasn't done anything yet, right? Actually, I think it is. I think it is because I think they purposefully, like, he pushes people out of the way to, like, make a, like, entrance for yes. Draco. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, his entrance, Draco's entrance. Um, uh, there is this a very is where, nice moment. This is where Tom Felton starts to go through puberty. And, like, he ends out coming out great on the other side. But it is a rough few years for Mr. Tom. Oh, Felton. really? This yeah. is the first movie where I was like, okay, he is looking kind of good now. Oh, I don't think he looks good again until six. I think it's six Ooh. where I'm like, oh, well, six I, is the one where six yeah, is the six turtle. Is the one where he's where like, it's like, yes, oh and that's God. where you're like, because it's like <laughs> yeah, one yeah. and two, he's like a little boy, and then it's like three, four, five, he's like going through it as we all were. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. That's how I also feel about Rupert Grint. He was going through it a little bit in like three and four. Yeah. Those haircuts did not help anyone, too. They no. all grew out their hair for the fourth film. And I was like, and why? why? Yeah. And we'll have to get into why that. Why did you do that? that yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, also, the sixth movie is when um, Dean Thomas went through puberty and there's like one shot of him. And everyone in the theater was like, well, damn, who is that? <laughs> who is that? 
The sixth movie really is when everyone is like, I think I might be the hottest person in this film. (laughs) And we were all like, you all are. Good job. (laughs) Good job. Um, Yeah, so then uh, it's just like in the book, Hagrid's like, uh, Harry, or like Harry basically volunteers or whatever, and Harry gets to interact with Buckbeak. So Harry's the only one that interacts. Um, is the first one to interact basically. And then we get this very lovely moment of Ron and Hermione. Well, Hermione holds Ron's hand and then they're like awkward about it. And it's so cute. Mm -hmm. And I was glad that they started layering this Hermione Ron romance in because it is Hermione Ron. I don't care what JK said. So stupid. It is not Hermione (laughs) Harry. It is not Hermione Harry. It is Hermione Ron. And it's so, never been Hermione Harry. <laughs> yes, and it never to will be. To be clear. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's the lovely uh, Hermione Ron moment that's awkward and cute. Um, and then we get the flight of the hippogriff, which I don't even know if you know this, Adam. I had a very weird obsession with the instrumental for flight of the hippogriff. <laughs> I just really liked it. Um, I think this I is the know. first time you've ever mentioned it. Oh my god! Probably because it's really embarrassing. I just would like daydream about like flying on a hippogriff to this song. Would you? Would you like, dream about the wings beating against your inner thighs? Was that what the <laughs> dreams were? No, it was very like pure. It was very like I wish I lived in a magical. It was very like horse girl like fantasy sure. pureness of like of I wish I lived in a magical world where I could just fly away on. On my hippogriff buckbeak and escape yeah. all my problems. Then I wouldn't have very to walk that. down the street with my suitcase when I get mad at my mom. <laughs> I could just get on my hippogriff. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, it was, yeah, I still to this day think that instrumental is beautifully written. It's very, it transports you, you know. It transcends. Um, it transcends, yes. Um, uh, and then when Harry lands, we get a that was wicked Harry that is directly taken from the first film (laughs) they didn't even try it sounds like an 11 year old you're sitting here saying that they changed everything how dare you (laughs) (laughs) yes thank you for keeping this one line consistent thank you wow that was wicked Harry nice remembrance and then Malfoy just walks directly up to Buckbeak, which is another, like, they fixed it moment. Instead of yeah, what happens in the book, I think this is better. Um, and Hagrid's like, no, Malfoy, don't do that. And then Malfoy gets scratched and is like a complete baby. So I think they fixed it by doing that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh And then we get another lovely transition into the Great Hall scene where we get a little sneak peek of the Headless Hunt. I think this is like the only time we ever see them. They like burst through the window. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then we get the boy one again in the Great Hall talking about Sirius Black where he's like, it's like trying to catch smoke. It's like trying to catch smoke with your bare hands. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Why are you? What is going on? Like, I'm just like, they didn't pay him great, enough. But like, they didn't pay yeah, him. Yeah, they enough. didn't. Like, I'm just like, why are we? Uh, it's so weird to me. I'm just like, you have so many other students that you can give these lines to that already exist. So it's really weird to me. It's also, he's very memorable. 
Like, this is a right. testament to, like, he sold these lines. Like, I remember, yeah. A, the lines, and, like, who said them. So, like, you can't really get better than that when you have, like, a one-liner yeah. actor. Right. But it's like, you didn't need a one-liner actor. You have other kids you can give yeah. these lines to. So... <clears throat> Well, um, Goyle was, is, you know, Goyle was out sick. He hurt his foot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, oh, I also, I did make a mention about this that I really don't like Ron's hair in this film, but I do feel like this was the film where they nailed Harry's hair being the untidy yep. uh, description that they have in the books. I fully agree. It's like all like flipping all over the place and every which yep. way. And I was like, yeah, that's what it should look like. Yep. So I was kind of bummed that they didn't keep this going throughout the next films, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, in the next films, he gets like, not necessarily the next, next one, but like five, six, seven, eight. He's like hot. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> well, but they I didn't cut know Harry yeah, was his hair. His hair is like too tidy almost. Like his hair, I think they cut it a little too short. I was like, maybe you should have left it be, let it be a little bit longer so it could be a little bit more messy. Yeah. Um, the fifth film specifically, the fourth film, they all grow their hair out and it's all long and. It's crazy. like trying to catch smoke. It's like <laughs> trying to catch smoke with bare hands. Why did they let them all grow out their hair for the fourth with... film? I'm sorry. I'm just really remembering how. It, it, all of their all the boys hair is so long in that film uh yeah so we from the the great hall scene with try and catch smoke we go into our friend our first <laughs> defense against the dark arts lesson where we're introduced to lupin wonderful i love his portrayal of lupin i think he's perfect i understand there's like the the criticism of they're all like older than you know they are described in the books, which like valid, but like he plays him so well. He's so great. Um, yeah. I mean, how could you not love Lupin after just watching the scene? He does it. So you, you really do love Lupin immediately after watching the scene. And then we already had the scene of scene of him fighting off the Dementor. So they did a really good job of like, really, you know, you really love Lupin. Um, my one critique of the scene is I do not think that we should have seen Harry's Bogart was a Dementor. And I don't think that we should have seen Lupin's Bogart was so obviously a moon. Yeah, boo. Boo. So I didn't I like, like that. I really don't like how obvious they made that it was a moon. Because I think in yeah. the book they say it's like a, a glowing orb. So I wish they yeah, had made it like a, a little more. Yes. I wish they had mm -hmm. made it a little more ambiguous. The Dementor one I don't really mind because... They make it so that, like, he's stepping in at the exact same moment the, like, Dementor comes out. Like, it's not like the Dementor comes out and then he steps okay. in. Like, it's kind of all happening at once. So that I sure. don't mind because then, like, it it still makes sense why he would be, like, And he why does bring it. Yeah. And they change that for the film where, like, Lupin addresses it later. Like, he's yeah. like, you want to know why I stopped you from fighting that Bogart, don't you? So, yeah. But then he does say, I just assumed it was going to be Lord Voldemort. So there's, like, a little bit. For me, I was just a little, like. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think, yeah, they could have, yeah, it was a little too obvious. I just think there was a better approach to it. Because at one point I think someone says, like, why do you think Lupin's scared of crystal balls? And I was like, that's a great, like, kind of red herring for what it could be, yeah. you know? And a good tie-in um, to, like, the end of the 
book when he looks in the crystal ball or when he's supposed yes, to. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I will say I, this is, I, I'm nearly positive. I'm a little drunk. I'm nearly positive <laughs> that this is the first montage sequence kind of that we get in the series, in the films. The, the defense against the art defense against the dark arts class. Yeah. yeah. And there's something about yeah. the fact that they chose to do a like re a uh, quote unquote real record player as like the diegetic sound. Yeah. So in diegetic versus non-diegetic diegetic sound is like sound that's actually happening in the space. Like there it's acknowledged that it's actually there. Whereas like non-diegetic oh, yeah, sound yeah. is like the score of a film. Like no actor can hear this, the sound but that's what Learned we are something hearing new as the every audience. day. There I you didn't go. even know. I had no idea um, that's what it was called. That's and I it. love, I think this is the first time. Well, I guess no, technically uh double, double toil and trouble would be the first time. No, the first time non di the first time diegetic sound happens in these films. I'm sorry. Is the flute that Hagrid plays oh, in the deleted yeah. scenes. <laughs> yes. In the deleted scenes <laughs> of Harry Potter, and the Sorcerer's Stone. This well, there's is... the harp in the first. Oh, yeah, that made the right. cut. Yeah, the yeah. harp. Yeah, the harp made the cut. Yeah, isn't that funny that they like did the flute, but then they were like, "We're not committing to the flute," because like the, he was supposed to play the flute for for yeah, Fluffy. Right. That's funny. Anyway, yeah, um, I really like that they were like record players are like there's like a magical thing to them, like a kind of like that. <laughs> I think it's kind of bonkers and a little stupid, but I also kind of like am into the idea that like well, music is magic. There's yeah, something magical about it. I do think that's very sweet. Um, and it's like a vintagey record player. Yes. You know, I think they had already been like, oh, there's um, there's kind of this like 1950s, 1960s aesthetic to everything mm -hmm. in the wizarding world. Um, and I think this movie is really where they started to be like, oh, no, that's specifically where we're going for anything that we add is like that era. Well, because even like when they get into the Ministry of Magic in book uh, five, they kind mm -hmm. of make it more 40s. Like they make it more or 20, I guess 20s, actually, because they make it more um, art. Oh, deco. yeah, yeah. 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 It's all very interesting, the design. I would love to, if there was a way to like talk or hear like the designers, the scenic or the production design and like the costume design of these films kind of talk about like what their inspirations were because like, yeah, you kind of have to create a world, but you have to base it in something familiar so the audience has something to latch on to. And so yeah, to like familiarity. Choose, to choose these eras is so interesting, I think. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. I really like I the music. Yeah, I think it was a very good choice.
Discovering Voices, Building Worlds, The Ampliverse.